Um, we're walking through the series of uh, Luke. We're walking through the book story by story. And so that's what I just want to encourage you guys to do is think about how you guys can connect with the story. How can you connect with the people that Jesus interacted with? How can you kind of see how that relates to your life today? And so talking about a really cool story today, talking about um, the faith of one guy just to bring healing to his friend. And so it's like encouraging to me because sometimes I lack that faith. I lack that just like, you know, just believing Jesus in a time of need or in a time of trial. And so it's like I'm encouraged by the story we're going to read today, and I think it encourages all of us to kind of share our stories and to kind of share what we believe Jesus to be for our life. Because everyone has a story, and everyone has something to give. Everyone has something to tell, and we can, we can glean encouragement from the story today. So let's read it together. Luke 7, 1 through 10. When Jesus, Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And so Jesus just got done um, doing his like, sermon to all of his disciples and everyone who wanted to hear him speak. And so now he's going on his travels. And so verse 2, there's a centurion's servant whom his master valued highly was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes, and that one come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. All right, so in order to track this story, let's look at the people that are in this story. First, we have Jesus. And he just got done speaking on the plane to his disciples and others who are interested in his teaching. And so we know that uh, Jesus already had, uh, had healed people. He had performed miracles. And then we already know that people have begun to either follow him or reject him, even people from his own town. So that he's the, like, the main character of actually the whole Bible. But this story, too, he's the main character. And so then we have the centurion's servant. So we don't know much about him other than that he's sick in that he's close to death. And we don't really know much, we don't really even hear much more about him other than that he's highly valued by the centurion. And so we have the centurion himself. He's a leader, and a centurion in this day and age would be a leader of a hundred soldiers. And so he, ha he and other centurions would be under the rule of what's called a, a tribune or a tribune. And so on the one hand, you see, you, the Jews see him favorably, because he helped pay for their synagogue. You hear the Jews say, you know, Jesus, you need to do this for him because he, he loves our nation. He uh, helped pay for our synagogue. He helped build it. And so he, he's someone that you'd want to help. And so very likely, it's the same synagogue that Jesus, we read earlier, where Jesus healed the demon-possessed, um, the demon-possessed man. He healed him there as well. And so we see, like, just the kind of ironic thing of the whole story is that Jesus comes to the synagogue before. He heals a demon-possessed man, and now he's back, 
and he's healing uh, the servant. And so we see the centurion, and the, really the whole story kind of revolves around the centurion. And then the other, but think about the other people in the story. We have the Jewish elders, and so they're trying to convince Jesus that he should do this, that he should heal the servant. And then the third, or the last uh, group of people, we have the centurion's friends. The people who go to Jesus before he even reaches the centurion's house and ask him, you know what, Jesus, you're not even worthy to come into my house, but will you just heal my servant? I know you can do what you say you do because I rule people too. I tell people what to do, and I know that you can heal my friend. And so as we work to understand this passage and what we need to soak in, where do you fall in this story? Which person do you relate to? Which group of people do you find yourself more relating to you? Are you one who has a friend or a loved one in need of healing, like the centurion? Are you one petitioning for God for their healing? Do you feel unworthy to be even in the presence of Jesus like the centurion? Or do you find yourself like the Jewish elders, finding that you, you kind of look at people's actions, their deeds, and you think, you know what, Jesus, do this for him because he has done good deeds, because he has done this. Where do you fit in? Where do you see yourself in this story? And so wherever you are, there are lessons from each of the characters. But for the most part, let's look at this story from the perspective of the centurion. The most telling part of this passage, and what I really want to focus on today, is the part where the story hinges can be pinpointed to the part where it says the centurion heard of Jesus. The centurion heard of Jesus. His servant is sick. He's about to die. And because the centurion had heard of Jesus, he sends the Jewish elders to Jesus to ask for the healing of his servant. Obviously, the centurion had heard good things about Jesus. He heard stories. Whether that he heard about his teachings or about his miracles, the man with the shriveled hand being healed, or the demonized person being delivered, the centurion heard something to know that Jesus was even an option to heal his friend, his servant, his highly valued servant. And so how has this changed for our culture today? If we apply this to our setting and our current situation, have people today heard of Jesus to know that in a time of need they can look to him? And I would love to say that the answer is yes to that question, that when people hit rock bottom, that they know that they can turn to Jesus. But I would probably say and I hate to say it, that the problem is maybe, maybe some people do that. But the answer is probably closer to no, people don't know that. And it's because they don't, they haven't heard the stories. They haven't heard, they haven't seen what Jesus can do. And so that's the first point today, and it's actually a question, is what stories of Jesus are being heard today? Are people hearing stories of miracles, stories of healing, stories of Jesus' love, stories of Jesus' peace? Unfortunately, I think negative stories that get attributed to Jesus travel much faster than the positive stories that are actually of Jesus' doing. And so I think even inside the church, when something positive happens for Jesus, we inside of the church like to attack other people of the church because they're having success, and it can't be right. That obviously, they're doing something wrong. They're selling out. They're, you know, doing something wrong. And so, even in within our own churches, our own brothers and sisters in Christ, we love to attack and tear each other down. And it's a shame because from the outside world, 
when people could be hearing stories about Jesus' faithfulness, his love for people, and his miracles, no, we like to tear people down, and we say, you know, that's not Jesus. That's not that, and we tear him down. And so what stories are we sharing with people? And I think it's, like, funny. I think, like, you know, when you look at a church like Hillsong, and you see their success, and you know what? Hillsong's not perfect, but they do awesome things for Jesus. They write these incredible songs. People worship. And then I love it when I'm in college. You know, that's where college is like where everyone gets mad about Christianity. And they like tell you stuff like, you know, even at a Christian college. I went to Christian college. And so everyone has their own idea of what the way church should happen. And so they're like, well, they're just selling out. They're cheapening these songs. We should sing hymns. Hymns are great if you like hymns, but lots of people don't like hymns. And so it's like, I love people, I love Christians who sing hymns. I love Christians who don't sing hymns. We're all a family, and we all can worship Jesus in a way that we're uplifted and Christ is uplifted. But I just love how we love to fight each other, and the world sees it, and they're like, why would I even want that? Why would I, in a moment of need, in a moment when I'm like searching, would I even see or know that Jesus is an option for my life? It's because I haven't heard it. And so before we run down an unproductive trail of looking at the negative stories of the church, I don't want to do that. I just want to skip over that. But when was the last time we looked at our story of Jesus? When was the last time we looked at our own story of faith and like looked at it in a way of like, what am I sharing? Remember, the reason the centurion even tried to approach Jesus is because he heard of Jesus. If we look at those around us, have we told people the story of Jesus of our own life, have we told our friends that? Have we told our families of the faithfulness that Jesus did in my life? Have we told our coworkers? Have we, what have we done to actually let people know to where if the Bible story was written about today's story, someone could say, so-and-so from where I work, U.S. Bank, knew that they could call on Jesus because they've heard of Jesus. And if I'm that person that made Jesus know that person, that in that time of need, they could turn to him and say, you know what, I need healing. Then that's what we need to be doing. The easy thing to think is that because we make a choice to follow Jesus one time, everything is just going to eventually change. Like, if we, if we accept Jesus and then just start coming to church, everything's just going to little by little become different. You know, we don't even have to put much effort into it if we just surround ourselves with the right people, if we kind of just start doing the things that we're supposed to do, if we come to church, if we give a little bit, then, you know, people will know we're Christian. But what about, like, intentionally just looking at our story and just thinking, you know what? God, you've been so faithful in my life. You know, you've brought me through trials, through circumstances that I wouldn't even know how to get through, but I know it was because of you that I got through it. And now who can I encourage and who can I, can, who can I tell in an intentional way just to say, you know what, you might not need it right now, but I just want you to know how faithful Jesus has been in my life. And so the action of telling and sharing our story is part of growing the measure of our faith, which we're going to talk about later is growing our faith. But the action of just telling people or sharing that story of our own story 
of a personal thing. And you might think you have just like not a very cool story. I, for the longest time, I thought that. You know what? I grew up in the church. I accepted Jesus when I was seven years old, and I haven't really, you know, fallen in like way on the wayside, like in prison or anything cool like that to just say, you know what? Jesus delivered me, and I'm, look at just God's faithfulness. But I have my own story, and he has been faithful. And I don't have to, you know, fall, fall into this or fall into that in order to show people that I've done that. But what's cool is there's people that have those stories. And those stories that we're sharing to all of us have a story to share. And unfortunately, and it's our next point, is sometimes our stories are not being heard because they aren't being told. And unless we have the courage to share our story, we miss out on this point of the scripture. If the centurion never heard of Jesus, then he never sends people to petition Jesus for healing of his servant. This valued servant of the centurion dies because he never knew about who Jesus was. If the centurion never knew, then how would he know even to go to Jesus? And there's people that were around how would they even know to go to Jesus unless we tell them about him? And now the story has to make you feel something. And we all have friends, we all have uh, loved ones, and maybe some of them are sick. And just like the centurion, I've had people in my own life who are sick, hurting, and even close to death. And the peace and comfort that comes from Jesus in my life and this story is about my mom. I mean, she had cancer. She still has cancer. But God has continually walked through that in my family. But that's part of my story. And that's why it, oftentimes I tell people about it. Is that I walk through those things. And God's been continually faithful. Jesus has continually comforted my family one step at a time. And so I've dealt with the lost pain and spiritual hunger before. Just like the centurion in this moment. But I've come out the other side stronger because of my faith in Jesus. And that is now a part of my story that needs to be shared, that needs to be told. And somehow, some way, I need to start being intentional in the telling of that story. So that if my coworker has a spouse or a sick child, and they're like running out of things to do. They've gone to the doctor. There's no hope. There's nothing they can do. At that last moment, maybe they come and say, you know what? I really just need something. Can you pray for me? But if they don't even know that you have that relationship or that you have that capability to even petition Jesus for them, then why would they even come to you? And that's the, what the entire story is about, is that the centurion heard of Jesus. And we needed people who tell people of Jesus so that people can know and that people can see and hear and maybe have heard of who Jesus is. Who are the centurions in your life? People that need a miracle. They just need direction or they need to hear about Jesus so that they can get to the point of asking him for help. Part of it is just about looking towards others first. And the next point is we need to move our gaze from ourselves and onto others. We need to turn our gaze not onto us all the time. Not just me and my needs, but look to others and look to the needs of others. Our prayer should be, God, let me see the needs of others because it's really easy for me to see, to see my own struggles 
and bring them to you first and then completely miss what other people are dealing with. Now, I'm obviously not saying that it's wrong to pray for our own needs, but part of following Jesus is learning that it's more than about myself. And in fact, following Jesus is probably more about giving up my desires and giving up my need for stuff and just giving up the general idea of myself so that Jesus can come in and take over and use you to do an amazing thing in someone else's life. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We've been saved through faith, and out of that life change comes good works. Out of that transformation in our hearts comes good things for us to do. And it's not always for our benefit, but it's oftentimes for the benefit of others. And so part of faith in Jesus is just seeing others, telling others, sharing with others. What really excites me about this passage is how Jesus looks to the others in which the centurion, he wasn't other, he wasn't on the in crowd, but he's amazed by the centurion. He's amazed by the others in this story. We are told that Jesus was amazed at the faith of the centurion. That, you know what? Not, no one in even Israel had the faith of this man. And what's ironic is that we're only told of two places where Jesus was actually amazed by people. And one is this story of he's amazed by the faith of the centurion. But we're also told in Mark 6, 6, is that Jesus is amazed at the lack of faith of the people from his own hometown. And so on the one hand, you have the centurion. You have this person that he's like on the out crowd. He's not in the in group. He's not an Israelite. He's not a Jew. And so he's not part of God's chosen people, yet Jesus is amazed by his faith. And then on the other hand, we often see Jesus talking to the people of Israel, God's chosen people, the people that were just searching for a Messiah, searching for a, a Savior, people who should have seen Jesus for who he was, and oftentimes Jesus is amazed at their lack of faith. Because they can't even see who Jesus is. They can't even claim his power like the centurion did and say, you know what? I know that you can do this because I know what it's like. Would you just heal my servant? The centurion does it, but the people of Israel do not. And so even the Jewish elders don't really even get it. If you notice in the story, the centurion asked them, you know what, would you go to Jesus and ask him to heal my servant? He didn't say, like, you know what, go to Jesus and tell him all the good things that I've done so that Jesus will come and heal my servant. He just said, you know what, can you go ask Jesus to heal my servant? But what do the Jews do? They go up to Jesus and say, you know what, this uh, person, he's not a Jew, but he's done really great things. He's, you know, helped us build our synagogue, our place of worship. He's, he loves our nation, and so he's, he's done good deeds. So Jesus, will you come heal his servant? Jesus follows them, but that's not the point of the story. Then the centurion has to send his own friends to say, you know what, Jesus? You're going to dishonor yourself by coming to my house because I'm not a Jew. But would you just heal my servant? I know you can do it. Would you just do it? I know what it is to tell people to go, and they go. I know what it is to have people to come, and they come. And the same is for you, Jesus. If you just tell my servant to be healed, he will be healed. And sometimes we think that 
we have to do this, do that, and the other thing, and then Jesus will grant us our prayers. And that's just not the case. Salvation comes through faith alone. Forgiveness comes through just believing in Jesus and saying, you know what, I know that you lived, you died, you rose again for my sins, and I want to accept that for my life, and I want to follow you. Forgiveness is there for you. There's nothing more we can do to earn that, but the same is true for healing. The centurion probably, you know, is not, he's just a normal guy, and he's saying, you know what, Jesus, you can heal my servant. And some of us think, well, I need to do this before I pray for healing, or I need to do this before I try and grow my faith. I need first need to get this stuff together. And no, it's like grow your faith first, and then watch the deeds come out of that faith. If we get things messed up, then we oftentimes go down a road where we're working on works, we're working on things we do, and then we miss the point of just believing for Jesus in just a moment and just having the faith to say, you know what, Jesus, this situation is bigger. Would you just do something in my life? Jesus healing the servant of the centurion is a foreshadowing of a time when he'll be sacrificed and raised to life so that there's no longer this in crowd. After Jesus died and rose again, there's no longer this chosen people because both the, on the one hand, the centurion people and then on the other people like the Jews and the, and the Pharisees, it's like those groups are now one and it's just about if you believe. It's just about if you trust Jesus, if you have faith in him and you say, I want to follow Jesus. That's now the new standard. Romans 1, 16 through 17 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel of righteousness from God, for in the gospel of righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteousness will live by faith. You're righteous if you believe. You're righteous if you just trust in Jesus and if you have that faith. It is our faith in Jesus that makes us forgiven. It's, we're free from sin. And if you have faith, then you've arrived. There is no one who's in or out. There's only faith or no faith. And the faith of the centurion also helps us know that not only does our faith heal us spiritually, but we can also have healing physically. That there's a physical aspect to our faith as well. And again, this is not healing just for ourselves, but also for the petition of God on the behalf of others who may be powerless to do so themselves. Turn your gaze from yourself and look at others and look at their needs. Begin to pray for their needs. Begin to see their needs. If you have coworkers who, who don't know Jesus, pray for their salvation. If you know people who are sick, who are hurting, think about them first before you think of yourself. It's just clearly the centurion had faith to believe for his friend. There's story after story of physical healing in the Bible. And I think, like, when you read Scripture, you figure out that miracles are normal things. Like, for Jesus, they're definitely normal things. I mean, he's the Son of God. He's walking on earth, and just miracles were commonplace for him. And it's like, sometimes we think now, it's like, well, those don't happen as much, or like, we don't hear those stories. And that's the whole thing. We're going back to telling stories again. It's like, if you've been saved, if you've been delivered of something, you need to tell someone, because those are stories worth hearing. Those are stories worth sharing. 
that help people know the power of Jesus. And I think sometimes we oftentimes think of the person who likes to pray for healing of other people or who, who, who actually look to Jesus first when they're sick and say, you know what, God, I'm sick. I got this cold. I got this flu. God, will you please heal me? We think of them, well, that, they're just like that weird spiritual person who just prays for everything. Well, duh, like, isn't that what we should all be like? Like, shouldn't we all be those spiritual people because we're sons and daughters of Christ who pray for everything, who pray when we're sick, when we're in the good times, when we're in the bad times, and we just go before God and say, you know what, this is my life, do something with it. But we see the person who prays for for physical healing, and we're like, well, that's weird. Because oftentimes when, like, the spiritual change in our life actually starts to resemble physical things on the outside, we get a little worried. We're like, oh wait, you know, like, this is an actual transformation. Like, God, you're going to actually do things in the physical world, even though you've healed me on the inside, my spirit as well. And we're like worried because we we don't like understand it. Like, we can control a decision to follow Jesus, but then when he comes out physically and like people are healed and miracles are happening, we don't have control over that. And so we get a little worried. But let's start thinking of miracles as normal. Let's start thinking of praying for, for healing of people as the first option and not the last resort because we've gone to the doctor. They've told us no over and over. We're not going to be healed. And so then we turn to Jesus. What if we flipped it around and just said, you know what, Jesus? Heal me. I'm going through a trial right now. I'm going to do whatever I can on my end, but God, I know you have the power, you have the anointing to heal me, and would you do that in my life? If we look to Jesus first, he will grow our faith. In the last point of days, the measure of our faith will determine the reach of our story. The measure of our faith will determine the reach of our story. Jesus was amazed at the faith of the centurion. We read of his story and are challenged and hopefully encouraged in our own life to grow our own faith. And this is where life change begins to happen. The centurion heard, he believed, and asked for healing, and it happened. And I'm sure faith in Jesus was strengthened in his life and those around him because they got to see a miracle. They got to see Jesus work in the physical when he oftentimes only works in the spiritual, and they were strengthened. Their faith was ready for more. And so my prayer for today is that our faith in Jesus would grow from the spiritual change inside of us and start to resemble physical things on the outside. So I don't know what that looks like for your life, but if the spiritual change only happens on the inside and no one else sees it, then what has changed about you? If, If your faith doesn't grow good deeds then what has happened inside of you that hasn't happened? Romans 5, 1 through 2 says, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of glory of God. We rejoice, for we have been saved through Jesus. It's something to get excited about. It's something to let that faith grow inside of us and grow in other people through us. Like, we can be waterers of faith for other people, that we can show people, this is what Jesus has done for my life. I believe he can do it for your life, too. And, like, then we become waters of those plants, of those seeds in other people's lives. And we can come in here and follow Jesus, believe we are forgiven, but still have a small measure of faith in Jesus, which is weird, because when you think about it, 
if you truly come on a Sunday and, you know, I've done this my whole life, but, and you, you kind of like do this self-inspection and say, you know what, Jesus, I believe you came 2,000 years ago. I believe that you died. And the crazy thing is, I believe you rose again. And because of that, I believe that I'm forgiven. If I can believe that, and I hold on to that, I believe that like, that's why I have eternal life through Jesus, because I believe that. I believe all those things. Then why can't I believe for physical change, for physical healing for people? Because in my mind, that eternal life is bigger than just being healed physically in the now. Eternal life is bigger than everything. Believing that you've been saved, that you've been forgiven, is a huge deal, but it should have a physical ramification in our own lives to where we begin to realize that, you know what? My life is not my own, and God, if you want to heal someone, I want to be the person to pray for them and see that healing. I want to have that great faith to be able to go to Jesus and say, but just say the word, Jesus, and you can heal my friend. That's some great faith for the centurion. And so worship team, you can come up. I'm just talking about tangible impact. Can we grow the measure of our faith enough to see tangible impact in our own lives? And so for some people, that's like having the faith to pray for healing and seeing that faith and seeing that power in someone's life. For other people, you know, it might be like choosing to tithe. For some people, that is a strong measure of faith to be able to say, you know what, God, you can have my finances, and I'm just going to give them up to you. Do with them as you may. For other people, it's like helping or serving or, or like helping out at Liberty Ridge Elementary. Because see, if you realize that that physical change and impact is already happening there at Liberty Ridge Elementary, I mean, we've done this school supply gift for the last four years, and I don't know if you've gone online to the school supply website on, our, on livinglifeopen.com, but there's videos there of the principal talking about how now, like, they're doing so good, like, academically that they can't even get federal funding for some of their schools. And so it's like, that, and I like to believe that's like God working through us and having physical, tangible impact in the schools. And it's not just us, it's the teachers there, it's, it's the other people, the parents of these students. It's like everyone working together, but I believe that for the last four years, I've been praying for that school, I've been praying for those teachers there. Could it be that, that God's having a tangible impact in our community, but we're not sharing the story? We're not telling people, hey, we're doing a school supply give, I'd love it if you joined with us. You're not even telling them about Jesus, but you're just saying, hey, my church is doing this. Would you think about giving? We're buying all the school supplies for this school. Like, that's how physical impact can change people. So that maybe later on, the person you told to help at the school supply give realizes, hey, this church thing isn't so bad. So that maybe in a time of need, that just like the centurion, they heard of Jesus so that they know they can turn to him. And it's just about growing our faith and growing that measure. And so, how can we get from being people of little faith that oftentimes when you're in, like, look at the, look at the Jews. If you're in the in crowd, if you've been in church your whole life, you're oftentimes 
can be accused of having little faith? How can we get from having little faith to having the great faith of the centurion? And the first is we have to believe. We have to believe that Jesus will do what he says he will do. And for me, that's, he's forgiven me. I believe that. I walk in it, and I know it. But he has so much more power than that. He has so much more physical, tangible power that we can hold on to, that we can have faith for. And part of it is just being open with our lives and saying, God, here's my life, open-handed, take it, and let me walk with you. And then the third thing is we share. We go forward. We share with people. And so our action steps today, they're on your connection card. If you have a chance as we worship, you can fill it out. But is, the first one is tell my story. Each of us has a story. And so this week, it would be awesome for you to just go forward and say, you know what, God, what is my story of salvation? What is my story? What have you brought me from, and how can I share that with other people? The next one is to have faith to pray for healing, whether that's for yourself or for others, for other people. Believe that Jesus has the power to heal people. If he can save you from your sin, if he can forgive you your sins and give you eternal life, he can obviously heal people physically in the here and now. And why don't we believe that? And why don't we start praying for people to be healed and delivered? And so then the last thing is grow your faith, whatever that means for you. If that's beginning to tithe, that that's like, you know, this week, if your faith just needs to grow by sitting down and praying every single day for a set amount of time or opening the word and saying, God, challenge me to grow my faith. How can I do that? Whatever that is for you, grow your faith this week. And so let's just go before God right now. We're going to worship, but let's just ask God to, to do those things, to show us our stories, to pray for healing for others, and to grow our faith just to believe God for more in our lives. And God, we just come before you right now and we just say thank you. We thank you for your blessing. We thank you for your forgiveness of sin that we can come before you, God, and just have eternal life through you. We thank you for that, God. But I thank you that that has real world impact. That has tangible impact now for our lives, God. And I just pray that we would know that, that we would believe it, and that our faith from there would grow in a tangible way, God, that people would begin to see that those deeds, those good deeds come out of our faith first. It's faith first, first to last. Our faith is what saves us, God. But Lord, out of that grows love, joy, and many other things, God, that we can impact others with, God. So do that in our lives this week. In your name, amen.